Hey yo, we about to tear it up. Welcome to episode 64 of the Breaking Atoms podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell, aka The Professional Pessimist, and today I'm celebrating the 10th anniversary of a cult favorite hip hop album. Uh, the album is called TSOL by Shad. Uh, Shad is a Canadian MC. He's released a number of albums over the years, um, and he's also the voice and host of Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. I couldn't talk about this album without reaching out to the biggest Shad fan I know. Today, I'm joined by none other than Rail James Mason. How are you, Rail? I'm good, Chris. Yeah, really good to be with you, especially to talk about, um, guess what I'd put forward as my potentially my favourite record of all time. So yeah, I couldn't think of one that I'd rather come on and talk with you about. That's a bold statement, my man. Yeah, well, I mean, I've had a little bit of time to think about it, obviously, in the lead up to the anniversary. And, uh, you know, there's many, many records I could think about, both within hip hop and, and other genres. But I just, every time I come back to this, I find something in it. I've never tired of it. So, you know, 10 years in, I'm as ready to talk about it as I was probably the week that it released. So, yeah. Nice. So look, let's let's start from the beginning of uh, the Rail and Chris adventure, if we can actually call it that. I've got a burning question. Rail is a very unique name. Um, explain, where does it come from? What does it mean? Okay, so you would spell it R-A-E-L. That's the way that I've always seen it. For me personally, it came from a song. So there's not a hip-hop, not really a hip-hop lineage to it, but my dad is a massive music fan. I've always kind of bonded with my dad over music and some shared tastes, and he is a big fan of the band Genesis. They were massive in this kind of 70s and early 80s and really influential on him. And they had an album where they had a character called Rail in it. The whole the, the album's a really kind of weird and wonderful tale. It's set up in, in a post-apocalyptic New York. This graffiti artist called Rail goes to try and save his brother and encounters all sorts of characters. It There may have been some substances involved in the, the recording of that album. Um, but this, this character, Rail, was the central figure and my dad as you did it in the time and I know you still do now bought bought the vinyl and in the album sleeve you had a lot of the lyrics and things mentioned and he saw the name and it, it grabbed him and, and a few years later I came along and by that time he'd had time to talk my mum into agreeing to the name and I yeah I was born in christened rail and it's made for a story ever since it stands out a little bit some people think that I'm meant to put real and mis misspelled it even on Twitter you know I'm down as rail James and the amount of people that respond to me is as James because they potentially think it's meant to be the the real James but it's yeah it's um I don't know I've never met someone in person with the same name but I've seen a few online but there's definitely a, a story to it yeah I like that because I always just thought it I thought it I thought it was in reference to maybe Israel I mean it's spelt the same by the couple of first couple of letters so there's that reference for people if you if you're kind of saying how to spell it but no there was no no link with, with that it was purely a musical yeah musical history to it okay so your dad your dad named you after something from a genesis album so that means i'm going to name my unborn child like ghostface killer 10th anniversary of tsol by shad um i saw you write a beautiful facebook post which we'll, we'll touch on later in the episode but as as we do here on Breaking Atoms, so I just want to run through a couple of fun facts, and I know you have some some facts of your own to share. So for, for the benefit of the audience, TSOL is an album released by Shad. It was released in 2010. It has two release dates, um, and Rail knows I'm a stickler for release dates. So there's two release dates, May 25th, 
Um, that was the Canadian release date, and it was released in the US on October 5th. Album was released on Black Box Recordings, but for the US release, it was actually released in conjunction with Decon. Um, and Decon is a label that has now morphed into Mass Appeal. So if you've listened to Run the Jewels, for example, they, they come out under Mass Appeal. But back in the day when Shad came out on Decon, you had guys like Rock Marcy was on Decon. Alchemist did a lot of stuff for Decon as well. So they were doing, they were doing big bits. Um, producers on the album include DJ Tilo, Classified, Ro McCoy, Rich Kid, and Me and John. Features guest appearances from Lisa Lobsinger, Ian Kamal, Brett Fleisser, and Promise to Name a Few. Live instrumentation from Sebastian Ostertag, who played cello, Tanya Charles on the violin, and Bryden Beard on trumpet. It was mixed by Dan Weston and mastered by Nick Blagona. And lastly, it was shortlisted as a nominee for the 2010 Polaris Music Prize, and it won the Rap Recording of the Year at the 2011 Juno Awards. So there I am with my little my little details, just to give you uh, a bit of a, an idea as to how the album was released and the, and the circumstances surrounding its release. Rail, you have some facts for me. I'm really looking forward to hearing this. Yeah, so I think a, a couple of the facts I'll bring out a little bit later on in conjunction with specific tracks that we talk about. But I think the main the main kind of point of note that I have is is following on from what you said about it winning the Juno in 2011. So the Juno's Juno Awards are, are Canada's biggest music awards. And the the Shad win is pretty notable because of the fact that it was in a category alongside the debut album from a certain Canadian rapper called Drake. And Drake released Thank Me Later in 2010, and it was up for the 2011 Juno Awards. And it was actually nominated in the final five for the overall album of the year. That was that was won by Arcade Fire, a, a pretty big Canadian band. Drake was was in that top five. Shad didn't appear in the top five, but then when it came to the rap recording category, Shad's TSOL actually won ahead of Drake, which, you know, Drake was, it was his debut album. He wasn't anywhere as known as he is now. But, you know, you look at some of the collaborators on that album, the fact that the likes of Timberland and Nicki Minaj, Lil Wayne, The Dream, Kanye, and, and others were involved. Um, it's a really notable win, I think, for, for Shad to have taken that. It's kind of a, a feather in the cap, you know, Shad probably will never achieve anywhere near the numbers or notoriety that Drake has, but he'll always have that moment of when Shad won his Juno, Drake's Drake's album was in in the same awards, and, and Shad took that. And so, not that you know, I'm not massive on big award shows defining a lot in terms of credibility or their overall value, but it is quite a nice as we look at the context of this album and its place in hip hop history and Canadian hip hop history. The fact that it had that kind of accolade you know at the time i think it's really significant it's a it was a big win actually when i when i think about it i know there was a big deal made about that that actual win and i think i think it's very similar to when ty won the mercury rest in peace to ty i think there's certain awards and even i'm the same i don't really put much faith or credence in in certain awards just because i know it's not always based on a meritocracy but um, there's just certain albums, when they win awards, it just gives it this extra seal of authenticity. And I think this is definitely one of those rare instances. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree on that one. And, and I think, you know, like you said, with, with, with Ty and, you know, similar feelings to yourself on, on everything, that the fact that when you look back at these artists at, at any point, 
you know, to see that they were recognised in certain moments and what that would have meant to them as, as well as, as as fans is is really poignant. And and I really feel that with Shad on the 10-year anniversary, that, that this moment is one that I know that he will treasure, but those of us as, as fans, kind of it, it meant something. And I know a, a few of the fans, I think, took it down a route of trying to kind of create some sort of tension between Shad and Drake but I think Shad as, as we'll cover as we look at him as, a, as an artist and a person he's level-headed enough to know it was never about competition and those things it was about him creating the art that mattered to him and the fact that it was recognized was was a real positive yeah definitely definitely so let's take it back to the beginning um how did you first hear the album so for me I can't actually pinpoint why I bought this album as I, I I'm disappointed in myself because I remember most things about my musical adventures but I, I probably bought it because it was a Decon release. Um, there's certain labels I'm just a fan of. So anything Mellow Music Group releases, Stone's Throw, um, Nature Sounds, I'm probably going to pick it up. So I'm going to suspect that I bought it because it was a Decon Records release. But for you, like, what was the what was the situation? How did you get it? Where did you buy it from? How did you first first hear it? Paint that picture for me. Yeah, so to give you a little bit of picture of how I often engage with music, I, I will often go in phases with you know what I'm listening to. And with, with hip-hop, it can often be a particular locational scene. And then I see artists that have worked with artists. And just to give a bit of the, the, the picture was that I, I believe that, first of all, uh, so our friend Dave Imperial got me onto a DJ called DJ Format who had an album that he put out where MC Abdominal, who's another Canadian, a Toronto rapper, um, appeared a lot, did a lot of verses on that. And I was really hit by his lyrical prowess and his ability. So from there, I started to look into the Toronto rap scene a little bit and came across kind of mid, early to mid-2000s. There was a lot of diversity in, in Toronto with where people had, had moved to there from and the music that was being created. And I started to pick up these these rappers, the likes of Chaos really stood out to me. K9 was another one who who had all sorts of different influences. And then Shad was one that I came across. And, and Shad had two previous albums that I really kind of engaged with and and um, was really struck by the fact that he as, a, as an artist was someone who, you know, in some ways we couldn't be more different. He is... His family hail from Rwanda, left Rwanda after the, the, the genocides, and I believe he was born in, in Kenya, and then they moved as a family to Canada. He grew up as a young black man in Canada. I am a, a white guy from, from Leicester who's never been to Canada. And so there's these things where we're very different, but equally music, the themes that come through in some people's music, you realize that our sensibilities, our interests, a lot of what the big questions we're asking couldn't be more similar in, in some ways. And so I remember Stad, uh, Shad really standing out to me. And I think it was just the fact that he mixed such, you know, he will come to it. You know, he's got a track on this album called At the Same Time, which which centers around laughing and crying at the same time with some of the things of life. And I think he was someone who could really go from the hilarity to to tragedy and, and mix the two within the same album and and the same kind of set of songs and I remember you know listening to, to tunes of his across the first two albums and, and hearing him talk about his life in in terms of he's got a track called The Old Prince where he talks about basically being a little bit of a, a man baby in his early 20s and not not growing up and, and he's got lines like you know why get a couch and a bed when you can slouch on a futon instead and that idea of you know, I don't need a sofa and a bed. I'll just buy the one. And it, it, you know, it humored me, but it also challenged me on the way maybe I was living as a, a guy in my early, early twenties and, you know, needed to grow up a little bit. And he had that humor about himself, but then he'd also have tracks like 
I'll never understand, which were informed by his family's history. And, and we're dealing with kind of how do you move on after family members have, have been taken from you in, in a genocide? And, and to hear somebody deliver both those topics in a way that was so engaging really stood out to me. So he was definitely one who was on my radar big time. I remember a lot with my housemate at university, a guy called Phil, who we'd, we'd share, quote, shad lyrics back and forth at each other around the house. And he had a track where him and his friend compared basketball players. And we'd be quoting lines about that because we were both big fans of the NBA. And so there were all these different touch points where I was really connected with Shad. And I think I, I think I discovered him sometime around the second album, maybe after the album had come out. So this album, his third studio album was the first where I was kind of building up to it, you know, had the anticipation of hearing the release date, hearing a couple of singles drop from it. And so I think I got it on day of release. I, I don't think I went and, and bought it. I don't have a lot of, I do have this as a physical CD now, but I don't think I bought it on the day, but I, I would have bought it in some, some downloaded form and just, just going through it really. I, th I think it was probably on my own first. I, I often like, I don't know about yourself, Chris, but I, I tend to listen, I'll put my headphones on, I'll go for a walk somewhere um, and listen to it as I go because I'm often soaking in the imagery and maybe touch points that are around me and, uh, you know, the streets that I walk or wherever it be. And I remember just, as we'll go through, just being really hit by certain tracks but thinking I need to listen to that two, three, four times to to really soak in what's being said. And, and so I think that was the time where I was definitely impressed first time I heard it. I think some tracks more than others will cover that a little bit, but there were some that really stopped me in my tracks and others where I thought, you know, I, I then want to share this with a few people I know that were already into him and, and pass it on. And yeah, it's really kind of grown from there. I've, I've gone back to it so many times and found different things, but from day one, it was one that, that hit me as lyrically, especially some of the themes that he was covering were really challenging to me as a person, challenging to me as a writer. I, I've, I've done a little bit of that myself in, more in a performance poetry and spoken word format, but I've had a few avenues where that's, have you been able to use that? And so to hear him as a lyricist really stood out to me. And yeah, I, I was a big fan from, from day one, but it's definitely grown from that point. You touched on some of the themes though, like you mentioned um, at the same time and just kind of his general approach to life being one of balance and positivity. If I, if I, might, if I, if I can put it like that, what are some of the other key themes that stand out to you on the album? I think Shad is someone who's very, very grounded in the sense of life is, life can be one of, of extremes. You know, we see in the news every day, we can have these moments of, you know, such joy and it doesn't even have to be the, the standout moments of life. It can be something as simple as a, as a great meal or a time with a friend or a, a sports, you know, watching a sports match or listen to a great album that these moments can can really resonate with them and really take root. But equally, you know, there's some pretty messed up stuff that goes on day to day. And especially now with being so aware across social media uh, of everything, that, not everything that's going on, but, you know, a lot of what goes on across the world that we can be hit with these constant barrages really of, of the beauty of life and the, the pain of life, whether that's in our own experience as, as he as has direct experience with, with his family lineage or whether that be just what we are picking up vicariously through what others are going through. And I think that really comes out in, you know, I think I'll cover some of the, the literally the opening bars that Shad says on the first track where he raps, because they have the intro, which is instrumental. And then they come in with, with Rose Garden. And from, from the, from the first, yeah, Rose Garden is a real standout for me as well, both musically and, and lyrically. But from, from the first verse, he's really kind of hitting upon, the fact that 
you know, some of the things that grab us in life aren't always the ones that fulfill the most. And, and he feels like not, I don't think a superiority in terms of he's got any higher understanding necessarily, but if he's got a perspective on life that he feels like he's gained from, from others that can be positive for, for people that he feels a little bit of a responsibility to, to share that and to get people to think about maybe a, a little bit deeper than some other rap records, you know, each rap record has its own, merits and you know hip hop is is very diverse and everybody's got their own perspective but i would say certainly this is one that covers potentially deeper themes than the most in terms of the breadth of it i agree i agree you mentioned rose garden so we're going to we're going to touch on some of our favorite tracks from the album um rose garden i'm a big i'm a big 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 fan of opening tracks on albums a few episodes ago we did a whole episode about opening tracks um, what makes a good opening track? And we mentioned things like, you know, does it set the scene for, for the artist's story? Does it define a sound? Does it sum up exactly where the artist is at that said and given time? Uh, I think Rose Garden is, is definitely a standout opening song if we're talking about opening songs in hip hop albums. And it's worth mentioning that, you know, when we think of opening songs, we tend to think of the more obvious ones, like, I don't know, um, Bring the Ruckus, Enter the 36 Chambers or Dre Day from The Chronic. But I think Rose Garden is up there with the best of them. And you mentioned how he comes out at the beginning, you know, just just really, really positive, really affirmed, really confident. And I really love the first verse of Rose Garden where he, he says, um, he says, when, when Abraham went to slash Isaac, in a sense, he baptized him. Rabbi said, don't trust in cash prizes. Same things that float your boat can capsize it. Tell the snakes they can take a hike like gas prices. No such things as halfway crooks or half righteous. Those who have eyes should act like it. To help the sightless seek in the light switch. To see the light, to see in the night with, we're leading the lifeless. That rhyme scheme and those few bars really hit me for a number of reasons when he, when i first heard um the same thing that can float your boat can capsize it i like i remember walking down the street listening to that line and i had to stop and i started to applause like no one was around but i just had to applause because it's such a it's such a ba- it's basic but the imagery is so deep it started to make me think about you know vices in a sense of whatever you know oftentimes you say whatever floats your boat it's almost like a passing comment for you know you do what do whatever you want to do as long as you enjoy it. But sometimes the same things you enjoy can end up being detrimental to you or even worse, it can end up killing you. And I just thought of all our vices and addictions in life. Um, and, you know, the same thing that floats your boat can capsize it. Being the massive Mob Deep fan that I am as well, to hear him when he said, um, no such things as halfway crooks or half righteous, I was like, yeah, he really, he really touched a, he touched a, a button in me when he said that. Because it also just showed... I heard a lot of myself and I saw a lot of myself in, in those kind of rhyme schemes and in this song as well that, okay, this song is called Rose Garden. It's quite positive. It's quite uplifting. But at the same time, you can draw on a group that's almost as dark and nihilistic as Mob Deep and make that contrast and make that comparison and bring the two worlds together. And that's something that I really appreciate in Shad's music overall. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That that verse was one. I mean, I had it noted down. I, I I cut it off literally at the exact point that you finished it because I think that really has a bit of a summation of of the the initial idea he's putting out both for that track, but also the whole album is that he's going to look at a number of a number of things in life that 
can be great, but if we get them out of whack, then they can they can become really harmful. And but it but not I feel personally like he never does it in an overly preachy way because he's often talking to himself. Both because he's cle- he's clever with the rhyme schemes, he's clever with the imagery that he uses, but also he's the first to say, well. You know, I, I'm wrestling with these things as well. It doesn't come off as as too preachy or judgmental. And I think with that, you know, there, there was enough in there for me. I, I'm somebody who really kind of delves into to words and meanings, and I'll often go back over the lyrics and and look at certain references and and see what where they're coming from. And and in this, you know, you even look at I'd, I'd go through it and I go when he says Rabbi, who is he talking about? You know, when he says he's talking about snakes, who who are the snakes? Um, who are the, those who have eyes? And, and you're really trying to picture what what is he getting at? And he, he he's clear enough that you know what he's saying to an extent, but he, there's also enough kind of hidden meaning that you have to delve a little bit deeper and either work out what does that mean for me, or work out maybe what is he, what is he saying? And, and I'll get to it with with future tracks. But on on yeah, I get it. Especially there's a, there's so many references where I literally spent an afternoon jumping around who is this person what what is that thing and it takes you from place to place and 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 I really love that and even I mean I've got a couple of bits about the video even that I could possibly mention when it comes to Rose Garden so that's the video itself is it's one of my favorite hip-hop videos and it it has a clear tip of the hat to to the far side um you know the the track you know the video the famous video they have where everything runs in reverse that's the um the video for drop, and that's my favorite video of all time. Okay, so yeah, so I, I'm very I'm very similar in terms of that. I remember the first time I saw that. I, I, there's been a few people that have used it since. I think uh, the the Manchester artist Ian Brown used the the r- things running in reverse, and the Coldplay I think used it one time. But Farside were the first I'd ever seen make use of something like that, and they're very creative with their videos. And in general, I was watching the video for Passing Me By this morning because I was looking at how, how many black and white hip-hop videos stand out to me and, and they make use of that there. And and I think, so Shad uses this kind of things running in reverse and me- messing with your, your mind on the imagery for, for the video for Rose Garden. But there's a real tip of the hat at the end because it, the video finishes in with, with him going into this flat that his DJ, DJ Tilo, is sitting in. And he's watching on the video, he's watching the, the TV and, and the far side video is is running in that, on that tv screen and he kind of they have a little interaction where shad basically makes out that he's got no idea who far side is and it's you know that kind of humorous look at he's acknowledging okay i'm making use of this but i want to honor those who've come before i've done it slightly differently myself but i want to pay you know tribute that the fact that far side were the guys that i saw come up with a a video concept like this and and that's cool to see shad someone who he, he there's clear influences on him both in his his you know the way he makes his videos and some of the the, the music side and, and you know as we are all influenced by by other artists but he's he'll often make make note of that you know he'll reference people in different ways and that that stood out to me with that and then the other thing would be strangely you know you might find this with with certain music that so someone else watching Rose Garden wouldn't know my journey with it but there are certain little bits other other kind of bricks in the wall that have made it mean more to me. So it, it might sound like a bit of a strange one, but I came across a video on YouTube, which was basically a group of guys, a group of young guys in, in Cologne in Germany who'd put together quite a you know, really nicely edited artistic video of, of them around Cologne doing, you'd have to watch the video really to fully appreciate it, but basically they go out with this small kind of mini football and they're throwing it around at all different sorts of, you know, down flights of stairs or, you know, over, uh, you know, underpasses and overpasses and they're, they're throwing and or heading, heading the ball to each other and then trying to land it in this little paper bin. 
And it sounds really strange, but what they're doing is progressively the, sh- the shot, the trick shots they're doing get more and more impressive. But what they do is they, they've soundtracked it with Rose Garden by Shad. And they, they literally begin the video with them switching an iPod. It was 2010, so it'd be an iPod of some form. And, and they select the track Rose Garden and it plays under the them doing all these trick shots. And for me, yeah, that might not resonate at all with some people, but for me, seeing these guys mess about with a ball, doing trick shots out in the park, enjoying the sunshine, friendship... That was a lot of my teenage years, my early 20s. It was just messing about with the ball in the park with friends, playing playing good music that we liked, having food there as well. And it, you know, it, it, there's a layer to it that then goes, oh, the, these guys in Germany connected enough with this track to want to make a video that used it as the soundtrack. And they even end the, they even end the portion of the video that's soundtracked by that song by him, by one of the guys going back into his flat putting his bike against the wall, sitting down in a very similar lounge setup to what Shad uses in the Rose Garden video and switching the TV on. So even then they're nodding, you know, a tip of the hat to the fact that we we were inspired to make this video by potentially even by by Shad and his music. And and so that there's a whole layer there that create a depth of feeling with Rose Garden with me that nobody, you know, nobody else would know that. But it's just interesting, you know, it can be you know, people talk about not being able to listen to a certain song because they listen to it with an ex-partner or whatever, or it reminds them of a family member or something. But equally, there are, there are these layers to songs that we build up with life experience that then make it mean something on a whole other level to us. So that was a kind of a side that may, you know, may resonate with people for different songs, but definitely hit me of the way that a song can have so many different layers for, for an individual person. So you mentioned, yeah, I get it, um, in, 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 your, in your Rose Garden deep dive Let's touch on that song. The reason why I love this song so much, it's not even so much for the production. It was produced by me and John. But I have a thing. I'm definitely someone who may be indirectly influenced by Shad. And what I mean is that regular guy, um, everyday type of person, there's no necessarily uh, bells and whistles to me. I'm just a regular guy that I think can rap pretty pretty well um, for the most part. Um, but what happens when you're like that? Sometimes you're accused of not having an edge or needing a bit more grit. Or sometimes you can be seen as an easy target for other MCs because you're not seen as confrontational. Um, when I listen to Ya, yeah, I get it. It brings me back to Common and Ice Cube. So just, you know, to rehash the story, uh, Common and Ice Cube, they had their issue. Um, Common, Common uh, mentioned something about, you know, something about the boys in the hood. Uh, Ice Cube and West Side Connection took took you know umbrage to 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 the comment, and they basically this comment on West Side Slaughterhouse. Now people thought this is Ice Cube we're dealing with. This is the man that took on N.W.A. by himself and won. Common's not going to stand a chance. They would you know that's, this is what some people were saying, but for Common who was the um you know not seen as the you know the hard nosed battle ready vet for the most part. Um, off the back of the Resurrection album, but he basically came up with a song, and you know the general consensus is that you know Common beat Ice Cube decisively, and it's re- it was really a turning point for me in 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 that whole kind of uh, perception of certain MCs not being seen as battle ready or you know being able you know you guys can rap and you know you rap good but you're not ready to step in the arena. And when I listened to Yeah, I get it. It just brought me back to that moment, like you know Shad can step in the arena with anybody. On any given day, whether it's storytelling, whether it's whether it's battle rap, I think he's got the chops. And there's um the whole line, the whole sorry, the whole song is full of quotables. Like it's non-stop quotables, but it's the ending 
that really hits me in the chest. And it's when he says, I'm from a soul tradition. Heads think I'm going to prison because I'm talking about this rap sheet with the most conviction, the most commitment. No other pro is so proficient. And this is the part that messed me up. The cold is spitting, the Rakim North Pole edition. I was like, oh my God. Oh my. It's, it's so... <sighs> you see, when I hear people rap like that, I just say to myself, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I've got to step my game up. It's not even, it's not even like, he's not even using, you know, big, massive words. But how can you say you're racking the North Pole edition? Huh? Like, you say it in a way that it's, it's believable. Like, it's actually believable. And again, it touches on what you mentioned before about him being someone who wants to pay tribute to those who came before him. Rakim, the North Pole edition. I've got to step my game up, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally, I'm, I'm smiling as you, you go through it and you talk about it because I, I had exactly the same feelings. Although I don't, I don't rap. I was listening to an interview with George the Poet uh, recently, and and the, the, he was talking about the fact that, well, he said two things that stood out to me. One was that it's a difference between making things rhyme and making words rhyme and making words matter that, you know, they can often go together, but they're not the same thing. And then there was a thing about not, not all poets become rappers, but all rappers are are poets to an extent. And I think for me, you know, my journey was kind of getting into lyricism and storytellers and then trying a little bit of of rap when I was younger and then finding, I'll come back to, I'll definitely come back to, yeah, I get it. But just to to talk about what it means to me as a writer, I, I came across, uh, it was called Def po- either Def Jam Poetry or Def Poetry Jam. It was you know the comedy jams they did. They did the po- they did yeah. So they did the poetry jams for a, a couple of maybe only a few episodes. I don't think it was a long term thing, but HBO showed it. So they were allowed to kind of let loose really with what sort of lyricists you know and, and subject matters they covered. And you had all sorts there. You had everyone from uh, Kanye doing spoken word. I I think Common may have appeared there. You had you know some really well known uh, poets themselves. I think. I think potentially Maya Angelou might have even done it there. But you, you had all of these sorts of poets where they were talking about all sorts of things. And I hadn't really discovered spoken word at that point. And you could, the, the thing that really stood out to me was that you had young poets, you know, teenagers, you had older poets, you had all different ethnicities, men, women, you had poems that would leave you, you know, in fits of tears, others that would have you on, have you on the verge of crying. And, and it really stood out to me that this is something where it, it struck a, it struck a spark in, in me. So the, the lyricism again stood out, but it was a different form. And I was going to say exactly what you said about sometimes as lyricists, we can believe in our own abilities, but we don't need to kind of blow our own trumpet in terms of talking about how, how great we are. Bravado is a, is a big part of, of rap in, in some ways, but especially those of us that don't really make that the center of our, of our writing, you can kind of think, oh, is that being taken for, for granted? And sometimes, you you know, you, you'll know yourself there's certain times where you get to flex a little bit lyrically and maybe if, if you've performed you can start to get a feel for when when crowds really respond to to what you're doing I'm sure in, in your music you'll know lines that particularly hit and and for me um it's a slightly different f- format but I've got a poem that is basically about love and, and the feeling of love and are you falling in in love and um it's somewhere that I've shared you know I've got to share it in in rooms of of school children I've got to share it in you know, people's weddings. And I've also got to share it on, on stage in front of a couple of thousand people at different events. And there's a, there's a line in it where I'm talking about feelings potentially towards, towards this girl. And there wasn't actually a girl at the time. It was more about a composite of, of feelings, but I have a line where I say, when I see you smile, it makes you want to do cartwheels. 
And that's not just a turn of phrase to earn your praise. I mean, I'll learn to do cartwheels just to show you how my heart feels. And that lineup, that, that imagery, I, I can feel, a, you know, sometimes a sharp intake of breath from people in the room. You know, it's not going to hit everyone, but some people are like, you know, they're, they're hit by that. And and you get to play a little bit both with, both with the the rhyme schemes of what you're doing, but also the the meaning of what's being conveyed and maybe putting it in a way that people haven't said before. And and I find with this, there's so many, like you said, so many quotables. This is the track more than any other where I've literally spent, you know, gone through and looked at what is he saying here and, and saying there, you know, th- there's a line about I'm quick to put down a cat if you bit me like Roy's boy Siegfried. And then you look at it and go, who is Siegfried and Roy? Well, you know, they used to be lion tamers and then one of them got bitten and the lion got put down. So there's the cat that got put down. And then there's a double meaning of what it means to be bit compared to, you know, a real lion and, and a cat who, you know, lyrically. And that's just one throwaway line that there's, there's countless in here, but I kind of jump across those references, but I've got a little bit of a, a reference here to some lyrics that I think both show his lyrical prowess on it, but also something that came after it that show a little bit of Shad's humility. So uh, if I can just quote a few lines back at you, I will say there's a bit in it where he talks about, it follows on from a quite, quite near the beginning of the track, but he's got a few lines that say, longest winter got me season. Now I'm a non-beginner, meaning not yet a veteran, but nevertheless pick the drug, drug or the rapper, man. I'm better than meth. Mm, that one hit me too. Cause I'm a Wu-Tang. Yeah. And, and then he says that I think the, the line after says, better than either or ether, the drug or the jadis. So he has the the two double double meanings of both meth being a rapper and a drug and ether being a historical drug and a famous diss track. And, and so you've got like, there's so much going on there, but also there's that bravado, which, you know, referencing, referencing Jay, who I know is, you know, Summit's all-time favourite and referencing Method Man and referencing Rakim at the end. There's this kind of, Almost, you know, how dare you invoke those names? But to me, he is the reason why he's naming those is, is I think it's a compliment to them that he's calling on both with clever wordplay, but calling on those guys as the people that he wants to compare himself to in this track, at least the, the character that he's portraying. And that line, um, just the, the, the meth line, both really stood out because one, it was very clever, but also, you know, Method Man is a very revered figure, both both musically, but also acting. I'm a, I'm a big fan of The Wire, like yourself and you know, so he's kind of a the double double legend in terms of what what he's done. And I know a few people picked up on that line and almost thought, you know, was he was he going at, at Method Man? Was he was he trying to take a shot? You know, and I I always felt like it was very much intended as a compliment. But one thing that stood out to me was Shad did a uh, did an iTunes session. He did a live session where he put a few tracks together, performed them in a kind of studio context, and and it was put out as part of an iTunes. They did a few of them back in the early two thousand tens. And Shad kind of reworks this track where he combines two tracks together. But when he gets to these lines, rather than saying, pick the drug or the rapper man, I'm better than meth. He, he switches the lineup to, I would never, dis- I would never disrespect those vets like meth. And it really struck me as either he's conscious enough to, to know maybe how a little bit of how it'd been received. And that if he's putting something out there again, he he wanted to make it clear that it was not it was not an insult. It was very much a calling that name up as someone that he he reveres. But what I love as well is that he also needed you to know that he's he's still fierce lyrically because he throws in some new lines which I'd never heard before, where he says, "I'm a one man militia, a one man tribe. Call the heat, tell him I could beat them one on five. And the the Miami Heat at the time in the early 2010s were the they were they were the, they, they had Le, the combination of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, and a load of other guys. They were they were winning multiple NBA titles or, or about to at, at that point, and they were the 
you know, they were the Jordan Bulls of, of the time. They were the, the Globetrotters almost. Of, they were the team to, to be shot at. And, and so for him to kind of come out with referencing them and, you know, using that as, as a line as well, it, it just showed that he wanted to play a little bit around a little bit of going, OK, I wasn't I wasn't going at meth. That was a, a compliment. Um, but also I want to show you a little bit of what, you know, what I've got in the tank. And, and one other thing to, to kind of evidence that for me is, I, I don't know if you're, you're aware of this, but there's a there's a sample in the track A Good Name where he looks at his family lineage and his first name and his second name and the first name who is named after the character Shadrach from the, the Bible and then the, his surname being going back to his family lineage and the village that his family hails from. But there's a sample in there where there's the, the guy rapping who says, say what you like, just spell my name right. Well, that that's meth. Yeah, that's meth from his his track in 1998 track, Torture. And I, I'd only come across that recently. You probably picked out the voice you know, straight away. But to me, to, to sample meth on another track, as well as invoke his name here, it was always meant to be love. It was always meant to be one of the top you know marks to compare yourself to and it's but it's just really interesting to me that to me that he wanted that to be rather than double down on going you know i'm going to take shots at whoever he wanted to make it clear that that it was all it was all love it was all compliment and and i see that play out in in those couple of things that are going on there yeah um no definitely i'm, I'm I, I agree with you i think i think in order to rap the way that shad raps and the way that i rap and i'm no no i'm by no means am i comparing myself to shad he's light years ahead of me but you would have you would have come across wu-tang at some point in your artist journey like even if you don't even if Wu-Tang aren't your favorite group you you know who Wu-Tang are and how they've influenced you know lyricism so when I first heard that line you know I'm better than um was it I'm better than meth I'm like, I, I as a Wu-Tang head I thought nah he's not he's not going at meth because just because the idea about his first of all you don't go at Wu-Tang right that's the first rule because if you say anything about Wu-Tang you have like 500 people on your doorstep and nobody wants that kind of headache secondly you get an idea about Shad's kind of spirit and his 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 demeanor, and he's not really been. I, I think this is the most confrontational you you may ever hear him in life um, on this song. But no, I think I think people were reaching. Um, I understand. I think the context as well, Chris, is really important with the fact that he couples it with with the drug reference. Is to me, he's almost saying going out claiming that you're better than Method Man is almost almost like putting out there that you're you know that you bring a harder hit than Crystal Meth. It it, it is that kind of. There was the, the double wordplay on the name, but also the imagery. Again, the ether being two things that are, you know, I'm not promoting those things, but they're, they're no in terms of the drug, you know, but it's something that's known to give people a high. It's something that's known to grab hold of people. And to he, he's comparing himself to two things that are outlandish standards as he's having fun, really, playing around with the, the lyricism. But like you said, you, you get to that point where near, by the time he gets to the Rakim North Pole edition at the end, you're almost willing to, to take it on board as half- legitimate the comparison because he's hit so hard lyrically with with so many lines and even if i can just pull out one more thing before we move on from from this track there's a bit near the third near the third verse beginning of the third verse just to show a little bit of the the double things that really hit me is he's got he starts the third verse where he says no eviction notice still i'm homeless on a poet's mission not that i'm a fiend stealing bass like otis nixon living on the street now i'm living on the road consistent making fans multiply like a coefficient Record sales, I'm making low commission, but the vision's mine. They don't change my record like pitching a no decision. <sighs> I wish I could rap like that, man. I, I'm, the, I'm the same, but when you actually dig into what he's talking about, so I, I, I'm not a big baseball fan, but I, have, I had a look, and Otis Nixon was 
a real famous, um, one of the more famous black baseball players. And he, he had two stints in, in Canada. He played for in Montreal and he played in Toronto. And, and I don't know whether Shad was a fan of him, a, a, a team that he was on, or whether he just stood out as a really talented black baseball player as a, as a young guy in, in Canada. Um, but Otis Nixon was known for, for stealing base. Stealing base in the sense that when you kind of dash to dash between bases in in baseball, and I won't embarrass myself by trying to explain it all, but he he was known for his speed and for his his cunning with getting getting across to the next base at times where the pitcher often when the pitcher wasn't looking or people were kind of a little bit asleep, and he was known for he set the single game record I think for doing that the most times in, in one game, and he, so that that stealing base to me is both talking about Otis Nixon as the baseball player. But to me, stealing base is, is potentially even, you know, he said, I'm, I'm not a fiend stealing base. There's the, there's the theft part of potentially the, the drug, drug references. There's stealing base can almost potentially mean to me, almost couch surfing as you're homeless on a poet's mission going from, from gig to gig. Then, then when you look at, if you actually look at Otis Nixon, he's a really interesting guy in that he was, um, sadly, you know, he, he's battled a lot of, of drug issues for during his baseball career, but also, um, you know, even in his later life. So I don't think Shad was making light of that, but I almost wonder if there's there's a reason even beyond that why he, he chose that that player. But also, just as an aside, I notice Nixon, he's got a really interesting kind of biography where he was, if, if we look at musical links, from 2000 to 2004, he was married to, to R&B singer Perry Pebbles Reed. And then from 2010 to 2012, he was married to Candy Staten, the famous, famous artist. So Otis Nixon has a, almost a musical lineage with with you know artists that he's he's been married to for a time and 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 then yeah so there's all these things going on in my head this is probably where i spent an afternoon on this this verse alone uh digging around but then you you get to the um the baseball the pitching and no decision bit later on and so i was like what what changing a record and no decision what's he getting at there and it, i i looked it up and actually in, in baseball basically if a pitcher comes in in baseball and the team is either ahead when he has to step back out of the game or their their level and then the team go on to lose basically they, they they don't count it as a win or loss on his record so pitchers are often judged by how many games did they win or how many games did they lose because they're only playing every four or five games in, in baseball because of the amount of strain on their, their arms so they will only play every so often and if you can have a win record of you know you won eight and you lost two you're, you're coming across as a pretty great pitcher but they they have this thing in place where if you basically get brought out because sometimes they don't finish a whole game they, they bring in a relief pitcher that if your team are say three to two runs up when you come out and your team go and lose four three, they don't count that against your record. It's it's called a no decision, so it, it doesn't go down as a loss for you. And for him to go, for him to go, you know, I might not be making huge commission, I might not be making the biggest money of any rapper, but you know, they don't change my record like pitching a no decision. There's so many layers to that of him going, I te- I keep holding my artistic vision, but also there's the baseball reference of I'm like a pitcher where nobody's giving me a win or loss that doesn't belong to me I, I am I'm going to stand on the weight of what I'm talking about and, and no record exec no label told me what I could and couldn't do on this record that 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 is huge for for an artist but also when you bring the Otis Nixon reference that he brought at the start of that little section to me I don't know you know you I'm sure you get this but it I I was looking at it going okay I, I approached this song on one level initially now I'm seeing I, I don't even know how you write potentially on, on that level where you're drawing so many references, but keeping it. So both you're referencing a, a baseball player from decades ago, but you're then linking it back to your artistry right now of what you're, you're kind of spitting on this record. It, it yeah, it blew, blew me away. Blew me away. My guy Kaiser, shout out to Kaiser. He calls it God level pen game. 
Okay, yeah. That's what we're dealing with here. You, you Like, mere mortals can't write like this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a gift. It's very much a gift. I mean, obviously, it's honed. It's honed very keenly, both in terms of your, you know, all the references you can draw in from the world that you live in. And Shad is a, um, Shad's a master's level student. You know, he's a, he's a smart guy. He's a very intelligent guy. Um, you know, he, he's got a line on one of his other kind of freestyles, I think, where he says, I, I heard you gave up rap music to be a grad student. Then he says, dog i'm a i'm a grad student i'm not that stupid and he and he's you know he's kind of so he references his own intellect intellect but also his love of rap and and that it doesn't have to be one or the other he can he can his intellect shines through in, in his rap but also the sense of humor and, and stuff and it is it, it it's a track that i go back to even now even now i go back and, and and find new things in it so if a track can be doing that 10 years later it it says something for it absolutely while you were talking i just thought you know the whole meth reference as well it's brought me back to um 2010 remember breaking bad was like the thing i would i would very i wouldn't be surprised at all i think you know he draws on so many references in in that track um that you know i'm sure i'm sure he was aware of that and it's just but then you know the the fun with the names you know two things double meanings are, are a huge part of so many hip-hop records and and i don't know about about yourself but when you when you come up with a line where you know it's got kind of it can be approached some for some people even on three or four levels you know you can draw these levels of meaning that there's you know it's, it's, it's satisfying to to be able to produce something like that so i'm sure you know he for me he was he was flexing you know he's definitely flexing his lyrical ability on on this track and again i i love the i love the video to this it's another black and white video um that as i said i i was watching the far side one earlier and and i i, I realized that probably the, the majority of my favorite hip-hop videos, my, my Mount Rushmore of hip-hop videos, as it, as it were, include black and white in some form. Um, if, just a little bit of a detour. So this one from Shad, um, which I think was very much thrown together. You can see from the imagery in, in the, the video that it, they found some derelict place and basically gone and, and, and got a few people together and simulated it. Well, done a, done a gig and videoed that, and then he's, he's about. But the black and white, to me, adds an extra kick. And then I was thinking about, far side with with passing me by and then two that kind of flit in and out of black and white and color being um 93 to infinity till infinity sorry and then i don't know if it's the black hand side or black hand side by pharaoh munch um that that to me does it on a whole other level because he's basically got these concurrent scenes going along with the black and white imagery being really negative portrayals of of a kind of inner city black community and then he puts his glasses on and it goes into color and he sees really positive outworkings of local business and people going about their, their day and and he's he's making the point of these two sides to to any community and i will i mean i get i went back and watched it again today and was just like there's there's these certain artists where when they're able to operate on so many levels both lyrically um you know the, the ideas of what they're talking about musically and then they had a video which elevates the message on a whole other level again it, it's just you, you are dealing with people who are not you know they're not the regular humans they're operating operating on a slightly higher plane of of existence in their artistry and, and it's yeah it stands out it always stands out when you see somebody who's that good i i also appreciate the fact that you mentioned a good name um in, in your deep dive just because i was i was actually going to touch on it but i won't go into too much too much depth i just love that song because as someone who's, who's grown up in in the church um like yourself Oftentimes, hip hop music was seen as devil's music. Being being an MC or aspiring to be an MC was probably one of the worst things you could be. And I just love how we broke down that Bible story um, in the first verse of a good name. Um, it just it was done in such a 
in such a beautifully detailed way, but it didn't go over the head. So whether you're a Christian person or you're just interested in theology in general, the way he kind of just, the way he breaks it down and, you know, he talks about Shadrach being one of the he- the Hebrew boys who didn't want to bow down to the to idol statues and all those kind of things. And I, I heard it and I thought to myself, is he referring to himself in like a, is he the musical equivalent of of Shadrach, not just by name, but by not bowing down to kind of corporate pressures or commercial interests. It was just something that I was I was thinking about. But I really I really love that name. And in recent years, having watched Game of Thrones, and you know, I know this might sound mad to bring the Game of Thrones into this, but a show that's based so much about houses and names and the importance of names and you know who you're linked with and stuff. I just think it's 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 a dope track in the sense that you know we as MCs as well we spend so much time time thinking about names what what's an appropriate rap name or moniker or alias whatever you want to call it and to hear a, a black man take so much pride in his name that he can actually write a song about his name from a biblical perspective and a historical perspective in the second verse i think it's just it's just something so it's a beautiful 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 song and i, I think you know if i can jump on that and potentially reference two more tracks for you know as quick as i can i i think on on this track what really stood out to me that what I mentioned near the beginning of going in some ways I couldn't be more different to Shad with my family background you know he references his his grandfather holding down a village being a leader of a village in a country that has been through you know such such pain such turmoil and and I grew up in a relatively comfortable existence in you know in 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 Leicester as I, as I mentioned but I'm I'm also someone for whom my, my grandfather is is a pivotal figure in, in my life you know he's somebody who who lived out a life that then resonated through the generations to come and who is, was beloved by our family. And that I can totally, I don't, I, I feel on exactly the same page with Shadden, both in terms of, well, one, having to correct people on how my name's spelt. That's just a kind of an aside, but also referencing where I've come from, what that means, carrying your surname, carrying your, your first name, even sometimes middle names that are family members that have gone before and going, these are things that shape who, who we are. And it's a, it's a really important moment to, to, kind of put that down and, and make a note of that and um it, it's very similar with there's a track called keep shining on the record which is about women which is about women in in rap and women in his his life and i think you know i'm not i'm not going to go in too deep on this but i think you know you'll be you'll be aware yourself that often for for as great as as hip-hop is one of the things that's often been leveled against it is the the treatment of women both both lyrically and, and in videos and just that how that how welcome they are in, in the hip-hop community and and i think what what shad does here in a really powerful way is he puts across a different perspective on on how this can be done but it again i don't think it's done in a, in a preachy way it's done in a way that's very personal to to him and and i i just find for for me as i engage with hip-hop it's a complicated topic but i i just feel like sometimes some of the way that that women is, is spoken about in hip-hop it's, it's so needless in terms of, so I, I get that, you know, and it's, everyone's got their own individual story with it and I'm not going to break it down artist by artist, but if you look at some of the things that are staples of, of hip hop about often guys kind of talking about how, how tough they are or, you know, how good they are at rapping or even, you know, how much money they've made. I kind of get those things. They talk to the person's achievement or ability in some way, but when they often throw in, you know, how little they respect women, I kind of think what, what was the purpose in that like why was that needed it to me it's it's like it's like going and listing your cv for a job and going okay i've got a degree in this i've got work experience in in this i'm skilled in this oh and i also 
like to kick animals in the street you know when when i when i'm going about it, it it's it's that thing, you know, it makes it probably a strange analogy, but it's going, what was that supposed to impress me that you have, have gone out of your way to tell me somebody that you don't think is welcome here or don't kind of respect? But I'll let you jump in at any point. You know, I'm going off on one a little bit here, but it, it, the way he puts it across, I, I don't know, you might have a different perspective, but... I had this song listed here. Um, I wasn't like, actually going to touch on it just because I'm aware on time, but thanks for bringing it up anyway. Um, when, you know when he says, um, and I've been known to talk about women on a track or two, I talk to women, I just can't talk for women, that's for you. That really hits home now just because back in 2010, the whole discussion around women, their rights and you know being able to be free in terms of making their own choices and being seen as more prominent in terms of their contributions it shows you that he was at least 10 years ahead of the curve because you know most most I'm not, I'm not gonna say most some some people some of us are only really getting around to this kind of thinking now but when he says um you know um even tracks like Kuali's for women I think Kuali's a massive influence on Chad um that's still only half the view of the world. There's no girls rapping, so we only hear half the truth. Like I don't agree with that line. Um, and I, you know, I know the world doesn't operate in absolutes, but to say there's no girls rapping, I think oftentimes I've come across people who say, oh, you know, there's no women rapping. There's no, you know, who are who are all the new? Who's the new Lauren Hill? And I keep having to correct people. I keep having to correct them. Like you know, there's there's Boog Brown, there's um Dutch Rebel, there's Psalm One. There's Rhapsody, there's Invincible, there's so many of them. But to kind of go back to the point you're saying, I think does I think oftentimes the negative portrayal of women in hip hop music is often pushed to the forefront because it's 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 for sale. It's 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 often embedded in the more commercialized aspects of the music. Um I would also suggest to people that you know, when you listen to certain MCs and how they may talk about women, not to always believe them, because some of these guys are married with kids at home and they're happily married and they're chilling. It's a persona, it's a persona type of thing. But I also think, you know, in terms of how women are are portrayed are portrayed in hip hop, it could be better. Um, we all have a role to play. So for my new album um, that I'm working on, I, I made the the distinct decision. It's always been a thing of mine. I was, I've always wanted to work with a female MC, um, and I'm. I'm one of those people, I don't look at, even though I've just said it, you're not a female MC. To me, you're just an MC that happens to be female. Um, I don't put them in different categories. Like, you know, I put Lauren Hill right next to OC or right next to, I, I see you all as equals. But I've made this distinct decision to have more females involved on on this project. Just because I'm one, I'm a, I'm a fan of the perspective that women bring to hip hop music. So again, it touches on what Shad said about only hearing half the truth. I really appreciate them being able to show the other side. And I'm also very aware of the times we live in um, as a man with, with, with a certain amount of privilege, if I can use my platform, regardless of how big or small it is to give women a voice to speak and offer that perspective on what I'm saying, then I'm, I'm going to use it. But I'm definitely down with you in terms of, you know, I think things are getting better within hip hop music. Um, I think the way the world is right now, I think we're a lot more aware. Um, I think we're a lot more considerate in general towards women. We're getting better. It's nowhere near as good as it should be. Um, but I think those those positive influences and the positive effects we're seeing now will eventually bleed into the music. And I will say this, for those who say, oh, you know, hip-hop's all about disrespecting women and all that kind of stuff, I can list a hundred songs that are the total opposite of that a hundred songs there's so much there's so many 
so there's so many songs that you know big up women and their contributions i've got a few i can it's there's too many to list right now but i i definitely understand your concern and not to speak for you i'm gonna ask you did having a daughter make you reconsider the kind of messages in hip-hop and how it relates to women did it impact you did it change anything like what were your thoughts around that uh, yeah i take on board everything you're saying and i, I largely ag- agree and i think for me i'm, I'm very hesitant to kind of go uh, you know as a, as a father of daughters i now feel this way about as a father of a daughter i now feel this way about women it's definitely given me a just seeing her just so my little girl's just coming up on two years old seeing the way that she approaches the world um the 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 you know the the fierceness of her but also the delicate nature of her and the, the way her mind works that you know even the way her, her body works compared to mine just as you notice the way she moves about and, and approaches things um not to get kind of too bogged down in in differences because i know there's a lot of you know there's an unhealthy gender stereotypes of a girl does this and a boy does this you know i, I build towers with my little girl i play in the kitchen with my little girl like we, we kick a football around there's all sorts of different things she does but certainly it it makes me more aware of having a you know being married as well being a husband as well as a father the way that i approach women and messages about women just it brings it closer to home i think i was already thinking that way and i think just to just to mention when when shad references those those lines so that i went and listened to the the quali track today and I, that, that album again it's another album that you know i put on my my list of you know pretty high on my list of, of hip-hop albums and and i think he he tells those four stories so so well but I, th- I think personally what shad's getting at a little bit is i think he's challenging himself he's saying if you look at his records to this point he doesn't really have it he has he has women singing the hooks on songs but he doesn't really have any female mcs and he he then in later records has a an artist on a, an artist called attorney who who does verses on a on both the, the later records I, I think and i think he He's he's really yeah he's really saying to himself you know I, I can talk I can make a track about how important women are but essentially it's it's only half the view if I'm talking about how great women are that ultimately the the real the real solution is for women to be given a voice but I, I do agree with you I think it I think it's a little bit I'm sure he'd say this himself the line's a little bit reductive in the sense that by the time he was you know he wrapped that in 2010 you had a long history of, of Lauren Hill of, of Missy Elliott of you know Lisa Left Eye I was listening to recently on a couple of tracks and. And even more recently, we've seen, you know, Rhapsody is a big one for me, but uh, Jackie Hill Perry stands out as, you know, and you don't even, I don't even use the term female MCs anymore, just great MCs. And, and even in the last year or two, the likes of Little Sims and, and Tierra Wack, however you'd classify them kind of critically, and even the impact that, I'm not, I don't listen to them as, as much, but the likes that of, of Nicki Minaj and Cardi B have had, that there is it's not about token representation. It's not about having a woman say something just because hip hop hasn't had enough of that. It's about quality coming to the surface and going, there is no distinction between, between it. If, if there's a good storyteller, they're now getting the opportunities. And I think, I think the internet and everything from, from SoundCloud to, to Twitter, to other places of getting your music out has, has really democratized it. And artists can be themselves. And, and that's brought it through all sorts of different rappers. And that's definitely been true for women but I think where where he ends it up and this will be the last I say about any of the tracks in, in full breakdown but where he ends that track really really hit me where he brings it back to himself and, and if I can just read a few lines he says my mum taught me where to keep my heart my aunts taught me how to sing two parts my sis taught me how to parallel park and tried to teach me math but she's way too smart my grandma in her 80s is still sharp my girl cousins and activism in art they taught me there's no curls too tight, no mind too bright, no skin too dark to keep shining. And 
and that, to be honest, I'll be totally honest, listening to that this week again, I, I, my, my eyes, you know, my eyes were slightly wet in terms of, of it moves me because I have women in my life that, you know, the things that he references there, everything from, okay, got, you know, dealing with your emotions, um, learning how to sing, maybe they're, they're stereotypically female things to, to be passed on. I, I don't think they're limited to women, but maybe we pick a lot of that up from our, our mothers or our aunties or sisters. But to then go my... My sis taught me to parallel park and she's too smart to teach me the level of maths that she's at. I think that's really important that he recognizes that there are so many sides to, to what women can teach you as anyone can teach you. And I think it really grounded it in his personal experience. And for someone who's been blessed to have a lot of powerful women in, in my life. And I know, I know you have the same, that it's not about she's good for a, for a female MC or good at this for, but for a woman, it's just going hip hop you know, hip hop is not a monolith. It's not a, uh, it's not one viewpoint. It, it is as diverse as, as the planet is, you know, and, and so many perspectives are being told. And even some of the same artists go back and forth in terms of the way they talk about different issues. And like you said, sometimes that's persona, sometimes that's how they're feeling it at the time. And um, I just felt like on the whole, maybe it, maybe it's a little bit heavy in a couple of parts, but on the whole, it was a celebration of, of the power of women grounded in his, his life experience. So I think on overall, it ends up being a really positive presence on the album for me um but like you said there are there are so many great mcs and there were at the time female mcs and um so i think you know shad himself would say that, that that's the case but yeah that would be my my kind of summary of it but definitely having a having a daughter it just it just more keenly makes me aware of the impact of the world that she's living in um you, you know but equally i i try to to really delve into things that aren't kind of affecting me directly or, or you know my family directly even yeah, you know, we haven't got time to go through it but the the world experienced by young black men across the globe is, uh, you know, something that you will feel way more keenly than me, but it's not something that I want to divorce myself from. Even, you know, even this week, as we see some of the things online, I, um, I would defer to the voices that are walking that path themselves in terms of talking about that experience. But I also want to be, be an ally in terms of going, it's not just, it's not just a fight of those that are on the receiving end of some of these marginalizations or, or, or worse that it's, it's for everybody to step up and say, look, I'm not, I'm not prepared to just be a bystander. I'm going to elevate these voices. I'm going to make a statement in these issues where I can. And, uh, you know, it's gone pretty, pretty deep there, but you know, the, the, the treatment of women and the treatment of people of color, and then a shadow lends it, you know, lands it at the end women of color in particular, when he talks about no curls too tight and no skin too dark to keep shining. Um, you know, that's, that's a, a vital cause for me, even as somebody that's never going to be on the receiving end of, of, of that life experience. So it, it just, that, that taught me a lot and really resonated. Well said, well said. 10 years later, how do you feel about the album? I mean, oh, there I am. Duh, Chris, how do you feel? You, we literally just spent an hour and five minutes talking about how much we love the album. The album, a classic to rail. And what would you say to anyone who's about to listen to the album for the first time or who's never heard the album? Okay, so t so 10 years later, one, it hits me as hard as it ever did, both in terms of entertaining me, of, of moving me. Like I said, th this very week, I listened to it with, you know, choked up at, at the lines about his grandfather, the lines about the women in his life, um, some of the, the other issues as well. Um, so it definitely hits me as much as it did. I think partly because... You know, we can go in and out with with albums sometimes. I, I I would say, being totally honest, I probably listen to this album at least once a month. Probably have done for the last ten years, which is is rare in terms of the amount of albums that I do that with. So it ha it's never become stale to me. I think it. You know, we've not got time to break down all the tracks or you know the flow of it, but it 
there may be for, for me personally there's a little bit of a, of a lull in the middle it, it hits hard at the start and, and at the end in terms of subject matter and my favorite tracks but it on the whole for me it's a classic album in terms of what it what it meant to me and where it hits in the entire within canadian hip-hop i think it's a real a real milestone it's a real key album within global hip-hop you, you know it probably isn't as well known as, as the majority of, of albums, but I think it really has a place to to say something. I, I think it is, I think it's Shad's signature album in the sense of, there, for me, there was a real leap from the second album to the, the third one here. I think the other works he's done recently, even especially the most recent one, a short story about war, he's going for something slightly different with what he's trying to do in terms of breaking down a, a whole narrative. It, you know, to me, a short story about war is almost more of a, a stage show than it is a, as an album on its on its own. But TSOL to me is it's still his standout album. It still merits a place in in anyone's record collection and, and anyone approaching it for the first time. I would say, um, yeah, enjoy the fact that you're going to go on a journey of, of ups and downs. He's going to talk about light stuff, heavy stuff in terms of emotional subject matter. That you know he's going to challenge you on things, but he always brings it back to himself. You know, beats wise, it's kind of maybe up and down a little bit. And we we talk, you know, we've we've talked about that in the past. Maybe you know the amount of money he has for production can can mean it goes up and up and down somewhat. But um, you know, on the whole, lyrically, I think it's. Yeah, it's it's a standout album to me, and one that my my personal affection for for Shad as an artist and a you know an entertainer probably puts it on another level for me. But I think anybody can pick it up and and engage with it and find something from it for sure. I agree. I'm going to keep my my feedback short and simple because I grew up reading the Source magazine, and you know they had the mic ratings. So at three and a half mics, you know, I think that was like definite satisfaction. I'm giving this five mics, hip hop classic. I, I, I will die on that hill. I will die on that hill. Hip hop classic. Well, I'm uh, yeah, I'm happy to go along with that for sure. I, I um, yeah, it, there's there's so many different re- hip hop is so diverse now, and there's so many albums coming out every year. But for me, of its of its year, of its decade, and also its place within hip hop history, I think it, it definitely merits being a part of the conversation. So I will uh, I'll, I'll go along with that five mics for sure. Definitely, Rail. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for taking the time to. To chop it up on Breaking Atoms, I know I know you're a fan of the show, um, and it's worth saying that you were actually the first review we ever had way back in January 2018. You called us the best new pod of 2018, so I just want to say thank you. I'll use the term enthusiast because fan fan makes it sound a bit like I kind of won a competition to come on or, or something. Or but um, but no, I, I am I'm a fan. I'm an enth- enthusiast. I have listened to probably every every single episode, and like I said, I, you know. Summit, Summit has me in tears of laughter some some weeks when he goes off cancelling, you know, here, there, and everywhere. And and congratulations to him and it, you know his his partner and, and the family. And it's a it's a pleasure. It's a it's a real pleasure to kind of sit in and, and share my thoughts. And I will be listening to to future episodes and see where you go with the the hip hop direction that you're taking it for sure. Appreciate it. Before you go, let our listeners know where they can find you on social media. Okay, so. Yep, it's Rail James on Twitter, R-A-E-L-J-A-M-E-S. And then probably if you're looking at the Instagram, so I've got a few different projects, um, but they're all linked to each other in, in the bio. So if you go to Sporting Poems, uh, no, no gaps in between, just Sporting Poems, I, I often put kind of different writings out on, on Instagram and then I've got a, a parenting kind of themed one and one about lockdown topics as well as we go through the current stage. So yeah, Rail James on Twitter and then Sporting Poems on, on Instagram. 
And you can you can uh, find Breaking Atoms. We're on we're on the socials as well: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Break the Atoms. Let us know if you have listened to the album recently or listened to TSOL for the first time. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions. And it's worth noting that the album is not on streaming services. I can't. I don't even know. I I've got I've got a yeah a membership at a couple of streaming sites and i couldn't find it there uh, you can find it on youtube that if someone's put it together as a playlist on youtube um or you can go go buy it but yeah for whatever reason i don't know whether it's a licensing issue or what but it's not on the streamings at the minute so yeah youtube definitely you can find it i mean if i can just do one more one more quick shout out for a track shad's appeared on a track called 24 the toronto remix and I, I only came across it this week, but it came out a couple of weeks ago. An artist called Toby, and then there's a few other on it. And it is, on, honestly, it's the best best track I've heard this year. Chad, man, like Chad needs to do a song with me, man. This is this is getting silly. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll if we, I'll, I'll be tagging him in kind of when this episode comes out. And uh, Chad was very great, gracious to have a look at my the tribute I put to him on Instagram and say that you know he treasured those those words that I put out there. So he is he's very. You know he's accessible to to a degree, and I, I would I would love to think that he would kind of hear what we've put out here, or hear you know your music either with, with whoever you've worked with, but especially the stuff that I've heard with Imperial. I, I've heard that most often. That I, I think he'd fit fit brilliantly on that. So um, yeah, and he's you know the shared connection with Odyssey. That's one of my favourite tracks of, of your guys. So yeah, I would love to hear Shad on an Imperial beat alongside a kinetic verse for sure. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for listening to Breaking Atoms. We'll be back next week. Peace.